Hey there, before we get started, I just want to let you know that today is not a typical episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. John and I are collaborating on a longer episode today, but don't worry, we'll be back to our normal 5-10 to 10 minute short form show next week. With that, good morning and welcome to the March 30th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. And John... Today, we are remembering WrestleMania 14, a pivotal event, really. Yes, the greatest pay-per-view attraction of all time. <laughs> Back to the subtitle. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny how the, the history of WWE, at least the modern product, can be told with chapter titles of WrestleMania number and yeah. subtitle, right? <laughs> Typically. Indeed. Um, and we are with 14 exiting the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels era and entering the Steve Austin, the rock era, era of, of the WWE's history. And this was a, this was really well done publicity for this event. Um, it really felt like a big deal going in and of course coming out, it was a big deal. Yeah, you know, they uh once again they they didn't go overboard on the celebrities. But when you consider who they got and yeah. that he was tied to the main event and he was, you know, he was kind of an outcast from the boxing world but a lightning rod for publicity, you know, they they got uh, bang for their buck, I would imagine. They did. And I liked I was going I was going to mention this as, as we go through. They had a couple of celebrities here. Uh, two key ones, Pete Rose and Mike Tyson. What I liked is they they were part of the show more so than, um, you know, I mean, I, nothing against Mr. Baseball. He was a great uh, celebrity guest. But I like how, how uh, Mike Tyson was incorporated into the storyline leading up. And, Absolutely. you know, he, he played a big part in one of the – I mean, I said pivotal before, but one of the big moments in wrestling history, I mean, to usher in the Steve Austin era as champion, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, you know, if you remember nothing about the rest of this card, which to some degree I have to admit before rewatching it, I didn't, you think of 14, you know the main event and you know how that main event ended. So. Big, big, yeah, big, big. Man. What's weird about it is, I don't, I did not remember, like, when you turn this on, I did not remember the matches, so to speak. But I kind of remembered the angles that were going on because I went to Raw the next night. The next night, Raw was in Albany, New York. Uh, my cousin Travis and I went to the show, and it was, uh, it was a cool show because you had. Uh, X-Pac returning from WCW to join DX. The New Age Outlaws joined up with uh, with DX that night. You also had a steel cage match for the tag titles between uh, the New Age. It was a return bout from WrestleMania. It was the New Age Outlaws versus Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Uh, you had the Nation of Domination implode that night. So there's a lot of like little things that I remember uh, about 
what was going on, but I really didn't remember all these matches. But it was March 29th, 1998, an attendance of 19,028, 15,681 of those are paid, a gate of 1,029,230 bucks, 1741 per head was the merchandise for a total of 273,000. I think yesterday or the day before, John, we were talking about WrestleMania doing well with a $11 per head for merchandise. Sure. So, yep. So this was good. Yeah. In Boston man, man. at the Fleet Center and the commentary team is Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. It's the first WrestleMania where it's this duo alone. And, and boy, was thank nice. God for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we still, and, and even though, we were transitioning out of like the Vince McMahons and the Gorilla Monsoons and all, and all that uh, on commentary. We still had Howard Finkel for a little bit longer here. So, yes. No America the Beautiful. Nope. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, it, it was barely recognizable, but there, there was, yes, yeah, some kind of melding of America the Beautiful and the Star Spangled Banner into what the DX band performed? Oh, I missed this. Was okay, this a, okay. uh, so maybe that's not on Peacock for exactly this reason. So DX were supposed to be the big bad guys all night long. Yeah. So Vince had uh, Chris Warren and the DX band, the guys, you know, of break it down you know the, the dx theme song which arguably the greatest original theme song of all time in uh, wrestling history they were on one of those little you know one foot stages just past the come out point uh and they did like a new wave kind of like we're trying to be rage against the machine version of the star span like and there were bits of the star spangled banner and bits of america the beautiful in it and the crowd is just not on board. They are being booed <laughs> vociferously. And Jim Ross, at, at the end of this debacle, has to point out that only in the USA and only in the WWF can be, there be this type of freedom of expression. <laughs> Apparently, the, the freedom to, for all intents and purposes, piss on the national anthem because it was... It was not done well, and and like I said, it's a you know the DX theme is a great song. I think Vince was afraid they'd get cheered for doing this rocking number, so they had him start with that, so that they you know they the band themselves were heels for the rest of the night too. That is uh, that's interesting, and yeah, it is not on the Peacock stream, so I don't know if that's I'm terribly surprised. <laughs> now. Did you have uh, any any uh, free for all or uh, pre show matches in your stream? Uh, no, your no, no matches. Just uh, uh, Doc Hendrick opens up the the free for all. He's joined by Sonny. They throw to Michael Cole backstage at the DX dressing room. Nobody comes out to talk to him. They throw to Kevin Kelly outside of Pete Rose's locker room. Pete doesn't come out, and then they do this just stupid uh, package with Jennifer Flowers, who's going to be part of the evening. Uh, and they talk about how 
President Clinton is in Africa right now, but we know he's tuning in because he wants to see his girl. Like, just once again, <laughs> leaning into the worst rubbish in the news at that moment. And uh, yeah, then eventually we see uh, we see Triple H, China, and Mike Tyson in the DX dressing room, and they, you know, Tyson is rubbing elbows with DX all night, and he promises that Stone Cold is going down. <laughs> At WrestleMania 10, Bill Clinton said he wouldn't miss one of these things for all for for anything in, uh, in the world. So yeah, so they're probably right. He was watching. And I mean, he was there in person, so you got to believe him. <laughs> you know who was not here at WrestleMania 14 is Bret Hart. Uh, obviously, we talked yesterday. It was going to be the end of the Bret Hart era, but he uh, he's wrestled more WrestleMania matches than anyone to this point, and he is not there. Davy Boy Smith, who's appeared at half of the WrestleManias and all of the last three, he's also not there. Uh, Vader, who was at the last two WrestleManias, uh, he did not appear here or at any other WrestleMania after this. I believe that in storyline, Kane took him out at the February No Way Out pay per view just like the month before, you know, as part of Kane building up as the big monster. Uh, and he's going to face Undertaker on this night. So, uh, so some key absences, of course. The Hogan era is long gone. We don't see him again for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, any uh, you know key return. I think we just go straight to uh, the first match. Uh, yeah. So first match is a fifteen-team battle royal where the winners face the champions at the unforgiven pay-per-view the next month now when i the only team on my stream to get an introduction is the the mystery team here um but i did not recall that this match this match is kind of historic because it had the rock and roll express in it it had yes. you know bombastic bart and whatever Bob Holly's name was the, <laughs> but they were the new midnight express, you know, with, with Jim Cornette. Uh, it also had D'Lo Brown making his WrestleMania debut as a competitor, Mark Henry as well. Uh, the, the headbangers are in there, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor, not yet too cool, but, but they were a team. Uh, and then you had the, the Boricuas. There was two different units in there. Jesus and Jose, along with Savio and Miguel, uh, but and of course Farouk and Kama. So you had the whole na you have a couple nation teams, a couple. Uh, you had Skull and Eight Ball. Don't forget the Truth Commission of Sniper and Recon. Right, right. Do you know who they are? Because I don't. <laughs> oh, you I, went, remember, I, I the, went and looked them up and still didn't remember. Them. <laughs> oh, so the Truth Commission. So. Uh, you know Don Callis's group, right? You know, right. Yeah, was, they they mentioned Jackal, and yes. I was like, oh, okay. And Kurgan, who is the one of the bad guys from the uh, uh, Robert Downey Sherlock Holmes movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kurgan and Jackal, I think, sort of did like a a, a run in on this match or whatever, and then Sniper and Recon, yes, from the Truth Commission. That we talk we talk about the Quebecers that are randomly here too. Right, right over that one, yeah. 
former like 12 time tag team champions because they it's i think it's only three but they were all like house show wins and right. losses <laughs> um but the mystery team was the legion of doom with their manager sunny so the legion of doom making a surprise return here and they've got sunny as their manager now sunny would be gone from the company within a couple of months she didn't make it through the summer uh she missed a bunch of shows she had an addiction to painkillers all the things so she would be let go uh but hawk and animal they looked different they used uh hawk had the classic face paint on he didn't have his sort of wwe style and their haircuts were i i don't know what was going on with their hair because you know typically you got hawk with the reverse mohawk and you've got animal with the mohawk they had uh their hair was kind of grown in but yeah they just kind of like buzz cut. it didn't look natural though you know you could almost faintly make out the reverse mohawk on hawk still (laughs) so yeah it, it just it looked like you know they came out in super souped up shoulder pads They came out in hockey goalie masks, which were, uh, you know, uh, uh, painstakingly airbrushed. Uh, So, you know, a lot went into their appearance and then they take the helmets off and you're like, did they just forget the Clippers at home? And and, and no one could finish them off because, you know, and, you know, and uh, which one was it? I think Animal was in shorts instead of tights. Like it just, the aesthetic was a little off. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell that they were being brought in and they were going to be tweaked that they, they were looking for a different presentation there. Yeah. You get a run in from Barry Windham in this match, uh, which is weird. He, he goes after chains who is oddly teaming with Bradshaw on this. So I think that, I think the idea is that Windham was trying to basically get Bradshaw eliminated because they're no longer the new blackjacks, I guess. Right. right. And chains being primetime Brian Lee. That's right. Uh, it comes down to Legion of Doom, the New Midnights, uh, and then the Godwins would run back in and they would attack LOD. Um, but ultimately, LOD would come back and uh, and they would win the Battle Royal. So Sunny's still in her 20s here. Uh, it's sad what her life has kind of become. Uh, as we record this, we don't know what the outcome of what her tribulations are going to be in the state of florida but maybe by the time this airs we will know Mm. yeah and she is she is at the absolute height of her powers uh, you know at this point she's she's on the free-for-all uh briefly with doc hendrix and she's in a beautiful blue blue gown she comes out here with lod just a little while later and i'm sure a lot of uh people listening to this will remember She's in that weird getup where the top half of her outlet, you know, the bikini top, if you will, is black and red leather that basically looks like flames. Yep. A very memorable look. And she is just an absolute smoke show here. And uh, she's not far from, I guess, reaching the pinnacle and then coming down the other side of the mountain, unfortunately for her personally. Yeah, which is very sad really absolutely um so lod gets the win here so they get a title shot uh come down the down the road uh we get to see footage of the dx public workout with steve uh steve austin with regis on regis and kathy lee you know we're building toward the main event here uh the next match though is 
Takamichi Noku as the light heavyweight champion going up against Aguila. Aguila is later known as Esa Rios. So uh, it is a pretty quick light heavyweight match. And I mean, honestly, this is here because the WCW has the cruiserweight division, which is an embarrassment of riches, especially in comparison to this. Now, I trust me, I I am a Taka Michinoku guy. I like Taka. Uh, And you can still see him from time to time wrestling in in Japan, New Japan or whatnot. But but these guys just don't do anything to what the competition has. No. And S.A. Rios is, you know, I, I guess they were probably, because just about every quality cruiserweight was in WCW not to say they were scraping the bottom of the barrel because as a Rios not uh you know ham and egger by any means but he's just 19 years old here you know he's yes, not, not yeah. that in business so uh it's <laughs> this we, we have a Jim Ross not line of the night in this match uh talking about how Taka had just won the title they just kind of brought it back you know he had a I remember I Damn it, I knew I forgot to do something. I forgot to look up. I had run down, I guess, a Raw or something like that, and I mentioned that Taka and Brian Christopher had a really, really good match, and that kind and the fans really reacted well to it, and that kind of got the ball rolling to them bringing back the Light Heavyweight Championship because it was only a few months before they would you know, set up the tournament to crown the Light Heavyweight Champion. That had just happened, and Jim Ross mentions that Taka won the title on December 7th, ironically enough. And at first... Oh, God. (laughs) It went over my head. And then a half a second later, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're years removed here from Gorilla Monsoon saying every time somebody got back jumped that it was a Pearl Harbor job. And Jim Ross takes me right back to that moment with that comment. And uh, Lawler doesn't react to it at all. <laughs> so it, it, it you know, it, it could have been swept under the carpet, but it just, it stuck in my mind. I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is the way he speaks, um, I can imagine his tone, I, the, the the comment was totally missed by me, but I can imagine his tone at that time versus he would say the same thing on TV today, but he would he would be like angry Jim Ross tone. It would be a little more sour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was that's awful. Uh, Taka wins with the Mishinoku driver. Uh, it, <laughs> Dave Meltzer says. This was just meant as an exhibition of spots, and it was that. But it paled in comparison with the worst lucha matches in WCW. So, didn't even compare to that. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Flowers is with the People's Intercontinental Champion, The Rock. Luckily, uh, luckily, Jenny didn't do anything wrong orally. I, the Rock means morally. <laughs> That was ridiculous. But, you know, there was only, what, three celebrities. Jennifer Flowers, uh, Pete Rose, and Mike Tyson. And The Rock here in the on this show, I think he, he's, on the short, he's in the shortest match on the card. But they know they've got something with him. So, they you know, they're 
he's getting the celebrity treatment here. He's working with the celebrities. So, uh, and giving him, uh, you know, they wouldn't do this segment today, but it was hysterical. <laughs> and it, it, oh, it is also, it is also quite memorable <clears throat> because during it, and you know, obviously he didn't phrase it the way it would come to be famous, but in answering, answering one of the inane questions that were all just, meant for him to you know come back with some kind of innuendo or double entendre he just kind of in passing you know answers one of the questions and tags the end of the line with if you smell what i'm cooking yeah <laughs> and it's the first time he's ever said that phrase on television it's born right here yeah and you know in, in uh in the post-show review of this they must have looked at that and said you know that could be a that could be your uh, what you gonna do? <laughs> we could do something with that. Yeah. Uh, Triple H with China defending the European Championship. This is the first time the European Championship has been on WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, uh, defends it against Owen Hart. He defeats Owen Hart. China is supposed to be handcuffed to Commissioner Slaughter, and uh, and she is. This is only four months since the Montreal screw job. So Owen is, uh, you know, he's like the black heart. He's the, he's the only one left. Everybody else has gone off to WCW. Um, and, but it's still all that aside, Owen's the baby face here and he's not typically, but he is here today. Uh, but it's so weird to hear the King talk bad about him for years. He's been taught, you know, he talks about Owen, like, you know, he's, the savior of the heart house and right. now he's a he's a baby face and the king is talking down on him yeah and owen i mean i don't know if he was close to not no showing but close to being pulled off this card but uh they talk about owen's ankle injury during this match and that ankle injury is 100 percent legit yeah. he sprained it badly he slipped off the slipped off the ropes doing uh some spot <clears throat> uh earlier in the month and he had been in a walking boot all month, except for the 52 second title loss where he dropped the title to Triple H just before the. And this is kind of the return bout. So, you know, Owen is not at the height of, you know, his abilities here. And still, this is a, a pretty darn entertaining 11 and a half minute match. But in, you know, DX fashion of the time, of course, it ends with Fuji Dust and a low blow and, you know, Tom Fuller. Yeah. Yeah, my understanding is that he only took the boot off that day. Right. Yeah, basically he, to work he, this he took, it off, he took it off for the title loss earlier that week or something like that. And he was back in the boot right until, you know, he was taping his ankles to go out and perform this evening. Right. Working, working injured there. Mm -hmm. And we get a super long video package for the next match. And it happens to be, it's Mark Marrow and Sable versus Goldust and Luna Vachon. And what's interesting about this, you know, you hear Goldust, you hear Mark Merrow, you think, okay, and, it, and it's a mixed tag. The mixed tag matches almost always about the guys. This was not. This was about Sable. This was her moment. This was, let's get her over. And it was the first time she'd ever worked in the ring, or wrestle a match, I should say. I'm sure she'd worked in the ring before but um the crowd went crazy for sable 
And she looked pretty good out there, really. I mean, she limited, had limited spots and opportunity, and the guys filled in all the blanks. But she, the stuff that she did, she did well. Yeah, and it, this, the sad part is, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Luna, I, you know, I'm sure behind the scenes she probably did, um, but she doesn't get the credit for making her look good here because the, the story apparently behind the scenes is, uh, first of all, Luna was warned she would be fired if Sable got hurt. Yeah. Even though Sable kind of refused to do any training in how to properly bump or even how to properly, you know, manipulate her own weight and balance as she's taking, whether she's giving or taking any particular moves. So, you know, Luna put a lot into making what few things Sable did look good. And, uh, you know, this was, this was the, uh, you know, where the rocket ship got strapped to sable yes that's right and you know we're building to the return of the women's championship in wwf which has been gone since they fired a a lunger blaze and she showed up on wcw and threw it in the trash back three years prior to this 95 so we're building towards that uh and of course once the mark marrow and sable split officially happens then we can introduce Miss Jackie, and then you get to the women's championship. Uh, Jackie would be the first one to hold the title, but it would be a match with Sable to determine that first champion. So that's that's where the division is headed. So this is kind of like step one. Yes, sir. Tennessee Lee introduces Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and Jennifer Flowers. <laughs> So Colonel Parker, he's in the WWF with Double J. So there you go. Yeah, was he? He was always Tennessee Lee in the WWF, right? He was. Only I believe so. Yeah. Over outside. Okay. Yep. The Rock. Uh, the Rock is going up against Ken Shamrock. The Rock is the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he is accompanied by, comma, D'Lo Brown. And Mark Henry Kama would later become the godfather. Uh, so it's the nation of domination with The Rock. He's going up against Ken Shamrock. It's a short match. It's only 449. And Shamrock gets the W here. Uh, he gets the tap out victory. The bell rings. But then he snaps in Shamrock fashion. And he doesn't release the hold. He attacks some officials and other things. Uh, and eventually, the referee reverses the decision uh, and disqualifies Shamrock sort of retroactively. And uh, even at one point, Farouk ran to the ring, and he thought he was going to make the save for The Rock, and he doesn't. So that leads yeah. to uh, that leads to the big nation split the next night. Yeah. This. Yeah. This. Now, the 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 stipulation coming into this match was because there had been so much crap from the nation. If The Rock had been uh disqualified he would have lost the title and you know here it winds up you know it winds up being a dq the other way and he basically gets the title back but as you said it was a harbinger to the uh imploding of the nation that's right yep which happens the next night the 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 nation sides with the rock and gets rid of farouk i guess so we see next the uh what i say is the excellent try lacing my boots uh, video package. I, lo- I, I like that one as a kid. So here, so a funny story. I think I was in the seventh or eighth grade at this point. 
Uh, and we had a task from in our English class to write a persuasive essay. Well, I just plagiarized this commercial. I just wrote it all down. And, <laughs> and basically my, my persuasive essay was wrestlers are athletes or something to that effect. Nice. Um, I did not get a good grade. <laughs> not because the teacher realized that I had plagiarized this. I listed lots of examples, but failed to link them together and put them into a persuasive. <laughs> and so that's what that's where the even though I like the commercial, <laughs> it's it does not act an English teacher would say it was not very persuasive. <laughs> But it will always have a special place in your heart. That's right. That's right. Uh, tag team championship bout next. The New Age Outlaws are the champions, and they're going to be defending the titles against Cactus Jack and Terry Funk in a dumpsters match. Uh, is it is? I don't want to say it's a classic match, but it's a it's one that you'd like remember. Exactly. Um, exactly. And and. Uh, and the, I guess you probably remember the angle on Raw, right? Wasn't it that uh, Foley or, or maybe Foley and Funk got put in the dumpster and then it was pushed off the stage? Stage, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what led to this. So, uh, but the but Cactus and Terry get the win here, and they're tag team champions. It wouldn't last long because uh, that steel cage match the next night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But and this this is a a fifty three year old chainsaw Charlie, yeah. and uh, once again I know I know I'm beating a dead horse, but what why why do you have to why do you have to change Terry Funk's name if thirty seconds into the match Jim Ross calls him Terry Funk? <laughs> He's allowed to wear his Funk U T shirt in the match, <laughs> and you know and, and in fact. Leading up to this event, <clears throat> this match wasn't originally, you know, you know, they, they plan stuff out sometimes a year in advance, but at least, you know, months in advance. The original thought for this uh, from McFoley was that he and Funk would relive their uh, deathmatch uh, glory days with a best of seven hardcore series between the two. And the last of which would be a uh, what we would now call a theatrical match. It would be taped at um, the Double Cross Ranch in Armorillo, Texas. Like, in other words, like it was all going to be about <clears throat> their history, which everybody knows is Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. It was going to be taped at Funk's Ranch. And yet here we come to this. And this is a great match, as you said, very memorable. Uh, you, you, know, you remember not just this, but you remember what led up to it because of how memorable it is. And yet we can't call the man by his name. What the hell, Vince? Terry I know Last. I say the same exact thing every time, but seriously. <laughs> well, Terry Last appeared uh, at WrestleMania at WrestleMania two with his brother, former NWA World Champion Hoss Funk. <laughs> <laughs> now, and we were allowed to call Terry then, right? It was yeah, only, it was Terry Funk was, and Hoss Funk. <laughs> It was only Dory that had to change his name the first time, but now Terry has to change it a couple of times. Ah, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Although, like you mentioned, they they didn't really shy away from. I mean, it was. 
I, even a blind man could tell with Midnight Rider was Dusty Rhodes. And <laughs> <laughs> the same could be Ray said about Queen's Eye. who's under that mask. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, John and I have taken a little detour here, but, <laughs> but the uh, Cactus and Terry get the W here and, uh, and we move on. So another crazy long video package for Kane and the Undertaker match. And that makes sense. This was this was building for quite some time uh, ever since the bad, before the bad blood pay-per-view in October uh, right. of the, you know, the preceding year. Uh, which interestingly, so the bad, the bad blood Hell in a Cell match, I believe the winner of that match was set to face Bret Hart in Montreal for the Survivor Series. And Thanks to Kane, it was Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> and we know Brett would have gladly dropped the belt to The Undertaker in, in Canada. So Yes, indeed. So maybe it's uh, maybe Kane and Paul Bear are actually the culprits here for the Montreal screw job, not it's uh, Vince and Shawn. Yeah. So uh, we get that long video package for Kane and Undertaker. The Hit King, Pete Rose, comes out to do ring announcing and uh he gets kane out there in what would become somewhat of a tradition for wrestlemania <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh pete rose gets a gets a thank you tombstone from the big red machine here so yeah and he really did he did nothing to kane he came yeah. out and started running down boston <laughs> he tells the fans that <laughs> His buddy Bucky Dent said to say hello. Uh, he left some tickets for Bill Buckner, but he couldn't bend over and pick them up. Ah! And <laughs> yeah, Kane, Kane comes out, and if you needed any more reason to cheer for Kane, Tombstone, and then uh, Taker and the Druids come out. But what's weird is Kane is not a babyface. No. But in that arena, he's doing a babyface's work because Pete Rose was yeah. healing up the crowd. So it's kind of interesting that they chose Kane for that and not the Undertaker. But yeah, I guess maybe they were thinking long term. Maybe maybe they already had it in their mind that we were going to see Pete a bunch of times, and you know Kane was going to be his dance partner regardless. So uh, yeah, yeah. Pete Rose got the Bob Uecker deal. Yeah, yep. So we get the Undertaker Kane match. It goes seventeen minutes. Obviously, uh, people can already know the undertaker wins right uh but it takes them a number of tombstones i believe um, and then uh after the match paul bear and kane they they're after taker and they they beat him down and uh are ready to leave before taker ever sits up so uh taker wins the match kane kind of gets the last word but undertaker does sit up so you know crowd pops after a tombstone onto a steel chair so well, took three tombstones to put Kane down and then a tombstone onto a steel chair to keep Taker down long enough for Kane and Bearer to uh, escape, right. if you will. Yep, yep. Now, I also love the video package that we saw after this. It's the uh, Today I Cheer for Them video package. And you see images of Freddie Blassie and Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson and Ernie Ladd all talking about a killer Kowalski all talking about, you know, the past and everything. And, and they close it with today. I cheer for them, which 
for a company like WWE that really sometimes clings on to the current star for far too long, it is mm. kind of nice to see that they are saying, yes, we have legends and these legends, the show is more about the new people. There you go. Good role for the legends to be in this type of commercial, though. Um, from there, we get the another video package. This one's for the whole uh, Mike Tyson uh, inclusion in the main event. And, you know, we hear Jim Ross going, Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. You know, that famous uh, famous call from Jim Ross there. But uh, that leads to our, our final match, a Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. Sean, Sean is on his way out. Yeah. We've already kind of said this is the Austin era. Jim Ross says the Austin era has begun here. And Sean Michaels, we wouldn't have him in a ring after this for another four years. Right. So he's gone for a long time. And he wasn't in very good shape going into this match. And, you know, this is this is where you have to, you know, give credit where credit's due. I love to, you know, beat up Sean Michaels verbally for the piece of garbage that he was but he uh and you know and quite frankly you know the, there's the famous story of the undertaker taping up his fists and uh making sure he was right there at gorilla so that sean saw him on the way out to know you know to make sure that sean knew when he got to that ring he had to do what he had to do because everyone was a little worried about sean uh but you know sean was probably hopped up on pain meds because he was in a lot of pain and he knew that this was going to be his last match for a while. And damned if he didn't go out there and put on a show, which he, as a, you know, like I said, I always give him crap for what a crappy human he was. But I also always give him credit for being the, you know, best in-ring performer of a generation. Uh, Meltzer wrote in The Observer that he thought that Sean would be out four months. You know, talking about how long that it would be, they would be without Sean. You know, like he might not be around for the next four, six months. Uh, and it was, it was four years. So he's gone for a long time. And then when he came back, he wasn't really, I think he was kind of, he wasn't, he didn't work as, as full-time a schedule as he did before. So very different Shawn Michaels once he comes back to the company, but. Yeah. He comes back as kind of a novelty, like, holy crap. You know, he, cause I like at the time, I don't remember where my head was at at the time in 98. I, I just, I guess, because it's been so long, I just when he when I when this match was over, in my mind, Sean was done. You know, yeah. I I I thought I thought he was gone forever. So when he came back again, just because of what a great performer he was, I was mildly excited to see him because I knew if he was going to bother stepping foot in the ring, he had to be back enough to where he was going to put on a Shawn Michaels match. And you know, like I said, you know, there was a he did a couple of little things when he first came back, and then. Yeah, his run against Triple H is right. The, oh, the matches he had with Jericho were amazing. You know, he once he was back and he was back semi full time, you were like, holy crap, he really is back. This is the Sean we remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had a whole nother career, but it was, yeah. but the four year gap, it's like he went to college or something, you know? <laughs> but yeah. So, but the big story is, of course, Steve Austin getting the WWF championship and he gets it by with a little help from Mike. Did he help get help from Mike Tyson? I guess Austin got the stunner. Mike Tyson dove in the ring and counted the pin, which was, a, which was somewhat unexpected because 
Tyson was aligned with DX and Shawn Michaels. So, you know, there was a swerve there and it was an awfully fast count, Mike, but, uh, but he does get the, he does get the win. Now, does it, do you, does it make you cringe when Mike Tyson says, call Shawn Michaels heartbreak? Just, just heartbreak, yeah. <laughs> and and Steve Austin, Cold Stone. I mean, those two things. You know, I know Mike Tyson is a huge wrestling fan, so it's just <laughs> kind of like those. For some reason, those those two things make me cringe. He does that at the post fight press conference while he's sitting next to Austin, and right. he's kind of like saying without saying that he's done with boxing and he may be coming here for, you know, like that this is his future. And yet he's standing next to the guy that he just crowned as world champion and doesn't have his two syllable nickname down. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Mike. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, though, this ushered in the Austin era, the, the Steve Austin rock era of, of wrestling that we would, we would go be transitioning into. And, what a roster they're going to be building out over the next three, three to five years. Uh, but these guys are the ones that turned the tide on WCW. Yes, indeed. Yeah, this the exactly. This is where they begin to, to turn it around. And then, you know, just once they inch above them quickly, they're in the rear view. And before long, they're dead in the water. That is WCW. Yeah. Yep. All right, that said, we only have one more WrestleMania to talk about before we actually get to uh, the rest, this year's WrestleMania, which we're not going to talk about on this show until not until it's at least a year old. So, uh, <clears throat> so we just are we are going to talk about WrestleMania 15 tomorrow, and then we are getting back to our normal uh, our normal shows. So, uh, this has been fun. Yeah, a lot of fun, and you know it's. I think the only bad thing about this is I think that I'm so happy when I watch some of these old ones, even the ones that are, you know, like 11, that's kind of terrible. I'm so happy to see all this old stuff that makes me feel young again. And it's what I grew up on that. Then I tune into raw the, you know, the next night and I'm like, I just stare at the television screen like, yeah, <laughs> by comparison. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Okay, but we'll see everybody back here tomorrow. We're gonna talk about WrestleMania 15. See what uh see what goodness we can get into on that card. But until then, we'll uh whatever, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>